The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM, where we explore all sorts of craziness around technology. And technology is pretty crazy. This time of the year, as always, the Northern Hemisphere is enjoying an extremely hot uh, summer, no question, droughts across Europe, wildfires across big swathes of US and Europe. It's been a little bit of a crazy time in the north with record temperatures. Us, us South Africans don't mind too much because we're used to fairly high temperatures across our summers on occasion, but it's very, very troublesome for, I suppose, the rest of the world. Anyway, but from a technology point of view, people take a break. The big, big Year-end Christmas holiday season coming up starts in one September, and um, the big IFA show, the big it's probably the largest technology consumer technology forum show exhibition, um, kicks off also on the second of September in Berlin, and I will be there just to see all the latest gizmos and gadgets. The cool thing about IFA in Berlin is that ninety percent of the gadgets there are real-time going into the stores pretty much immediately thereafter or already in the stores. So all the new tech for most of Europe and South Africa follows that trend quite strongly, will be available in the stores straight after the show. And all the big boys, Samsung, LG, you name it, all the Sony, all those guys will be showing off their latest and greatest at the show. And uh, stay tuned. I'll try to bring you, unfortunately, the second, I think, is a Thursday. So... Won't be doing my show that day, but I'll follow up the next week with a full-on review of all the latest gizmos and gadgets from IFA in early September. But for now, let's talk about streaming. Streaming is, without question, becoming the de facto way of consuming content. One, it's super convenient. Two, it's under your control. Three, internet access is getting more ubiquitous. It's getting faster with fiber everywhere, and it's getting so much easier to simply sit down at your TV, push a button, push Netflix, get uh, Amazon Prime going, Disney Plus or whatever it is, even to some extent DSTV, though their streaming app is without question a bit of an abomination. It's terrible. The quality is terrible. It, the way it works is terrible. The way it streams. So I'm not knocking uh, our dear friends at uh, DSTV, but I think for a, a company that's trying to be on the cutting edge of technology, they can do a whole lot better with their streaming app. And the current abomination, that's a big word, but it's a serious word, that they only allow one concurrent stream at a time is terrible. I mean, I've got a family of five and or seven, in fact, but uh, a couple don't live with me anymore. But the bottom line is I've got a number of people in the family. One loves sport. One loves um old movies, another wants to watch Disney Channel, whatever it is, and they don't want to sit down in front of a big TV. Most most young people, most people these days are consuming on computers, tablets, mobile phones, and they want the ability to do so whenever. Every other competitive streaming service that I'm aware of globally allows quite a number, four to six concurrent streams. Some don't have any limit like like um Prime, Amazon Prime, you can stream as much as you like. I understand that there is a challenge around that because, no question, 
the big streaming services, certainly Netflix, are losing customers left, right, and center. The post-COVID hangover has hit. People are traveling. People are moving. There's a huge mobility shift around the world with people coming and going and doing all sorts of things. And they're not stuck at home. They no longer have to spend hours and hours in their home for fear of getting sick or government lockdowns and whatnot. So as a standard sort of thing, I'm sure that all the streaming services have realized that there's a massive competitive thing going on between themselves. All the new ones have come up. Hulu, which is owned by Disney, not available in South Africa. Warner Brothers, HBO Max, Comcast, Peacock. All of them are fighting for the the eyeballs of people. And to be fairly honest, I mean, there's only so many hours a day you can spend watching TV. Couch potatoes are a thing but not sufficient, and it's getting back to the point where it was before COVID. So most of them are struggling to keep their membership uh, tiers going up. And like what's happened with DSTV, Netflix are looking at bringing out a much cheaper ad-supported tier, which will definitely come to South Africa. And what they're doing is cutting off all the frills, just like DSTV are doing. They're not restricting the number of streams, even though Netflix does to some extent. But what they do and what is being proposed on the um, ad-supported plan is very simply there will be no download. So you can't download to watch on the plane. You can't download to watch something later. You can only stream live with a current data connection, which in and of itself is not a terrible thing, but it is definitely a negative for those that want to remain mobile and, and do whatever they want to do. The other thing that they're going to start doing is serving ads. They've never done that. Uh, and um, they're making the ads pretty sticky. You cannot skip an ad. You cannot pause the ad. Um, you can only get out the stream. But when you come back, you'll pick up where you left off. That's the wonder <laughs> of streaming. It's not the same as, you know, leaving the room to make tea while the adverts are playing and then coming back and sitting down in front of the TV. So it will be cheaper. There's no question. And it's definitely going to be a lot less flexible. But I suppose a lot of people are looking at ways to, you know, recoup some of what they're losing. The latest numbers show they lost 1.3 million customers in the U.S. and Canada, which is its biggest region. And from what I've seen across um, many reports is that that trend across the world is going. South Africa and Africa is still growing, mainly because it's fairly new there and more and more people are coming on board. But watch this space. I expect the streaming streaming market to change considerably over the next little while. And certainly the terrestrial providers such as DSTV are definitely going to start seeing a lot of subscribers moving off their platforms because a lot of the core top-notch product will be available on stream, not linear on TV, via a satellite, via a dish, storms get involved. And um, right now, when it comes to streaming, the current top-end streaming services, the Netflixes and all of the boys, are doing a far superior job, both in quality and in quantity, to anything that DSTV are doing. So they're going to have to seriously look at their um, business model. They're going to seriously have to look at what they're doing and how they're serving customers because customers are moving on. They're not going to hang around and play the game that the supplier wants to play. They, consumers generally, especially around the internet and the younger viewers, are doing what they want to do. They'll watch what they want to watch, when they want to watch it. And there is so much choice just from YouTube, which is essentially free, although ad-supported, but not terribly expensive to sign up for a 
a premium uh, subscription, which is not ad-supported. And then all the others, Netflix and and all of them, the Amazon Primes, and now Disney+. Plus. There's just so much content that you can consume without having to be tied down to a satellite with all the nonsense around that. So stay tuned. Lots happening there. And on that note, before we get to Tech Talk Cafe, where I'm talking all about the big launch of the new Samsung Fold phones and the flips, a lot of complaints have been coming. I've even received a few calls from people who are having a lot of trouble with Disney+. Plus. Now, Disney+, Plus only recently launched in South Africa. The content is great. It's got all the classics. It's got some really cool, I, I enjoy and the science fiction-y and fantasy stuff like Moon Knight and all that. But here's an interesting thing. The app that is available in South Africa is designed through the Indian uh, operation and is focused on India, Southeast Asia, and Africa. And it is proving to be a real problem. Titles restart after resuming. There's a lot of stuff going on with Android TV. They can't clear titles from continue watching. When you select resume, the video tools overlay is shown. I've been playing with an Android TV on the Sony for that, and I've been getting the same sort of nonsense. Uh, interestingly, when I was traveling overseas, I was using it on, on in Europe with without uh, you know downloading the app also on Android TV, and very few of these problems exist. But as I said, the app is designed for different regions, and the although it update it's been updating all the time, but the South African market uses the Indian app, as I said. And it seems to be creating all sorts of havoc. On mobile, um, there seems to be a lot of data consumption, no continue watching section. The app is freezing du- during re- during streaming. You, you're forced to restart. S- no picture in pictures. Lots of bad video quality. So I would say stay, hang in there. Apple TV seems to be the most stable, but it is the most expensive. And the biggest problem for me, especially on a 4K high-quality TV, is on the DSTV Explorer Ultra. Sorry to even mention that, and I've used that unit very briefly. It's The resolution is capped at 720. Now, 720p on a 65-inch and above H, um, 4K TV is terrible. It's not great. It's fuzzy. The picture is soft. There's no detail. The blacks get all mushy. It's really, in this day and age of 4K and above, Ultra HD, which is available on most of the other streaming platforms except DSTV and with through the DSTV now with uh, Disney Plus, you're getting a really poor experience. And on that note, we're going to have to take a quick break for our sponsors and then it's back for all the latest news from Samsung. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to the news of the week. And big news it is. And yet, the overriding sense is that, unfortunately, the smartphone industry has hit a little bit of a plateau. Not to say that the technology isn't breathtaking and what all the manufacturers, from Samsung to Sony to Apple to all the guys can do, and Xiaomi and all the Chinese guys who are churning out spectacular devices, you know, with very competitive everything, is that Everything is looking very samey, samey. Everything is looking very similar. They're all these very cool, well-designed slabs of aluminium or stainless steel framed glass front and back devices that run Android or iOS, which again, a lot of debate in that, not getting into it right now, but essentially from a pure functionality point of view, they are almost identical in overall function, same apps, 
same um, functionality, same stuff going on, similar in the most part in usage, swipe up, swipe down, tap and play and do whatever you need. And simply put, a smartphone today has has become a necessity. It is almost physically impossible to navigate, and I'll use that word advisedly because navigation is a huge part of it, but it's almost impossible to operate in the new world of of whatever you do. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter how you travel, not to use a smart device, and, and all the features and functionality that comes with it. A ton of the features and the basic stuff is so-called free. You pay for it in, in, in your, your attention. You pay for it in being available. You pay for it in some of the data you share with Google and everybody else. But essentially, as a business model, this has been probably one of the most successful business models globally ever. It has brought enormous benefit. As long as you can connect, and even if you can't, it's almost hard to get lost anywhere in the world. doesn't matter where you go. You can find out where you need to, where you are and where you need to be in the click of a couple of taps or the, the, the tap of a couple of clicks, whichever way you want to go it. So when Samsung recently, in the last couple of years, announced a couple of really innovative phones, the, the foldable phones, flexible phones, it was a big change to the standard candy bar phone, and it really caught the imagination. The first issue that everybody had is that, was this a gimmick? Is it usable? Will the screens break? Because imagine having a really high-quality screen that you tap and touch and, and fold many times a day um, breaking. Or in the original model, they got dust under the screen and it looked tech, you know, yucky and didn't really look good. But as those um, phones have improved and they're now on the fourth-generation Z Flip and Fold, and they've pretty much solved all those usability issues. Yes, there is a little bit of a crease in the fold, down the middle, you can't see it pretty much when you look at it straight on. If you look carefully from the side, you can, both on the fold and the flip. But in essence, the phones are beautifully built. They are solidly put together. There are no mechanical restrictions. I've never, I've used the Fold 3 for close to a year, never had a problem with it, with any mechanical part. And the new Flip 4 and the Fold 4 just take it to the next level in many, many respects. But that being said, the incremental improvements across every part of the device are extremely welcome. The price hasn't dropped, which is not extremely welcome, because generally, as new innovation in technology play out, the, the features become more and more available in less and less expensive devices. But I think the, the whole idea of folding screens, folding phones, is still fairly novel and fairly, fairly unusual. So the price is going to remain high, probably 60 to 70% more than the equivalent technology non-foldable phone. But the new Samsung Flip and Fold 4 are hugely, hugely desirable devices, certainly to a geek like myself. So the basic, the basic specs, and let's start off with the Z Flip. It's basically very similar to the Z Flip 3. It's got a main display of 6.7 inches, but it folds in half. It's a very high-resolution AMOLED screen. It's bright. It's super clear. And what is new, they've definitely upped the quality of the the processor. They're not using their own Samsung processor this time around. They're using the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Plus, which is a 4-nanometer, highly, highly powerful um, GPU processor. And it's certainly probably one of the most powerful processors used on Android phones 
on the market currently. And I will say that using the demo units very briefly at the launch, they were extremely quick, easy to use, um, and incredibly fast. So processor speed is neither here nor there. The memory is high, 8 gig, and you can get them up to 512 gigabyte capacity. Here's what's interesting. They're using the latest Android 12 platform, the One UI 4.1, which is the latest from um, Samsung, and a great job they've done, which is also optimized. And I'll talk about the Fold in a moment, but is optimized for large screen devices to some extent. What they've also done is up the main camera quality quite, quite well, and the video and front cameras have improved. The battery has improved slightly, not a huge amount. And of course, a, a, an absolute given is 5G connectivity with all the latest Bluetooth, etc., etc. So from a technology point of view, this device, the Fold and the Flip, I'll get to the Fold in a minute, have definitely improved quality, no question. The build is slightly better. They seem to have ironed out a couple of key little things on the folding mechanism. And it is somewhat IP water um, proof, so you can submerge it up to one and a half meters for as long as 30 minutes, which is really good. You can't see it, but it definitely gives you a little bit of confidence that this folding phone is as tough as it, as it should be. And generally, if you put them side by side, the Flip 3 and the 4, the aesthetics are a little cleaner. The phone looks a little bit more polished. They've trimmed down the bezel so the screens are, are much more flush with the edge. And the biggest change is the hinge. They've really seemed to have improved the, the engineering around the hinge. It seems a little smaller. It feels a little bit more sturdy, if you want to put it that way. So it is a great device. And in general, the Flip is a brilliant, brilliant phone. If you want a small, compact device that flips open to a really large, normal screen, there's a lot of functionality on the front. So when it's closed, there's more functionality available. You can take calls. You can see basic messaging. It's definitely a lot better. And they put a lot of focus on the camera. So you can sit, sit it up in sort of a little L, fu L function, and then the front camera can do a lot of stuff. The back camera can do a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of... Um, a lot of attention to not only the quality and the usability of the of the camera section, but also the creator type environment. So there's so much more you can do if you're doing a lot of work, even semi-pro work on on videos for TikTok, for Reels, whatever it is that you do. They are actually amazing for that. The cameras are great. They work very well in most lighting, from what I remember and from what I've read. Some of the the cameras are not. Absolutely brilliant in the uh, in somewhat more challenging lighting, but I think we are, you know, really nitpicking down to the little things. Simply put, if you're looking for a really compact, high technology flip phone that just <laughs> creates conversation wherever you go, no question, then the Z Flip 4 is the best folding device on the market currently, bar none. It's pricey. But they offer a ton of technology and a lot of longevity at that price point. And in reviewing the flip, I have for the most part reviewed the fold, which was the other sort of big news at, at the, the latest unpacked. And simply put, it is a very incremental phone. The screen is better. The fold is slightly less noticeable. But when it's open, the bezels are smaller. The build quality is distinctly better. The cameras are seriously improved. There's no question. And the, the 
multitasking interface, the use of um, the latest version of Android with specific tablet app support and tablet type functionality has definitely made it a much more intuitive computer-like feel. So as a tablet, and this thing opens up to quite a big tablet, if you're doing a lot of email, you're scrolling through big websites, or you're doing any creative work that needs a little bit more real estate than is possible on a normal candy bar phone, then the Z Fold absolutely comes into its own. You can use a pen, so creative stuff. The pen is not included. You've got to pay extra for that. A couple of hundred, you know, it's a lot of money. I'm not going to get into it. That they haven't released the final prices, and also it doesn't go into the body, so you need a special case for that, which adds to the price. So the Z Fold Four is a phone, and more than before, it is a tablet. It operates extremely well as a tablet. It's extremely fast using the same processor. It is highly priced. There's no question. What they've done also is bring the um, hinge and made it a little smaller as well. So overall, the, the, although the Fold 3 and the Fold 4 are pretty much the same size and weight, they've improved the battery so it lasts a little bit longer. Um, the front screen is a little bit bigger. It allows typing a little bit easier. And more functionality is possible on the closed front screen than before. Whereas, again, it's it's not just a huge, huge, huge improvement. But the cameras are significantly better. They definitely have improved them considerably. And all the software and everything that comes with the phone built in allows you to do some incredibly creative work and lots and lots of um, of editing and everything that you need to do. And watching videos, watching YouTubes, watching TikToks, you name it, on the unfolded screen are pretty, pretty amazing. As I said, the, the fold where it folds is only obvious if you look right at it from the side. If you, it's just not bothersome. It's something you, a lot of people have said that it would drive them nuts. I, I actually have had no problem with it. You get so used to it and it's not so apparent that you worry at in normal use. What they've done is they've also, Samsung, have tweaked some of the big screen software features. They've relocated the taskbar right to the bottom and it now goes right across. Um, you can hide it from view. You can sweep it up. It's just some small tweaks that have made it a lot more usable. And split screen, screen mode is also really cool. So you can be answering your WhatsApps on the one screen and reading email on another. It's just a very, very functional device. Apart from the fact that it's still pretty unique, when you open it up and use it everywhere, people always have a look. It's great. So, as a as a slightly different device in a in a world of of same old same old product, things that pretty much look identical, the Z Fold Four is the best iteration of folding phones to date. If you've got a Z, uh, Z uh, if you've got a Fold Three, I would say possibly. There's no real point in upgrading unless you absolutely must have the best of the best. But if you are holding out for a phone that's absolutely beautifully made, it feels like quality, it opens super smoothly, you just get a feeling that this is a quality device. The screen looks pretty hardy. Uh, again, would be nice thing is you close it. So for the most part, don't worry about scratching the screen like you do a normal phone screen when you put it down. As soon as you don't put it down on its face opened. But if you put it down... Closed, the front screen is very scratch resistant, the back is glass, also quite scratch resistant. The actual main screen is not as scratch resistant. I would be a little bit more careful that you don't, you know, rub sort of sharp things against that screen. 
But overall, considering that this is a flexible, foldable, high-resolution mobile device, the screen is really, really, really good. And the latest processor, again, powers it extremely smoothly. It's, there's no hold. You can open as many apps as you want. And the base model comes with 256 gig of storage, which is great, more than enough for most things. And I really quite like sitting it down, lifting the screen up and watching a quick YouTube, you know, a YouTube video or just scrolling. It's pretty, pretty quick. The battery is still big. There's no, cha- no change to the, the charging speeds. It's a 25 watt charger, which in the context of some of the Chinese competitors is a little slow. But for the most part, you plug it in, you can top it up and I'm getting on the three. I got more than enough to go through a day. Not a huge problem. So overall, a sleeker, slightly marginally slimmer, better functionality on the front screen, much better functionality tweaked on the rear screen. Hopefully they bring some of those touches to the latest software updates to the Z Fold 3. It's now just called the Fold 4. So if you're in the market for definitely one of the most unique phones around with all the support and everything that Samsung can do, that's the other thing that we have to realize is that Samsung's ecosystem from pay to security to business use to their Knox, which you can't understate how much their, their Knox security stuff works extremely well, and their ability to use the phone as a display device by plugging in and then hooking it up to and treating it almost like a laptop. Definitely works. I've tried that across many Samsung devices from the S22 all the way across the folds. So the entire ecosystem from Samsung both software, hardware, and partnerships and the way all the the software interacts and works, as well as some of their home stuff. Not a big deal in South Africa, but growing across the world. Definitely makes Samsung a preferred provider in the Android space. In many respects, super competitive to anything that Apple does. Apple fans may disagree, but for the most part, it's not quite as seamless, but every single functionality you would like, think, or want is available in the new Samsung devices and the, the, the fold devices just add that little extra of uniqueness, coolness, stuff that you wouldn't even begin to, to understand. Now, apparently that's, well, not apparently, they are available right now for pre-order. I think those pre-orders opened or are opening very shortly. And there are a lot of little benefits that, as usual, they're offering. So... You can order it now. You get all sorts of little benefits from it. The pricing is high. You can get it up to one terabyte of memory, which is pretty insane. But I suppose if you're doing very high-res video and other work, one terabyte won't work. But the price is very high. It'll be sure in the region of close to 50, 55,000 rand, I think, in South Africa. I'll get some final pricing on that shortly. But um, the current 256 gig, which is offered, is going to be pretty much the same price as the Z Fold 3. And it definitely, definitely is one of the coolest devices on the market that you can imagine. And on that note, I'm going to have to have a quick pause for our um, sponsors. And then I'll be back with two other very interesting products. Those are my, my sort of products of the week from, from Samsung, also announced at the Unpacked event, which was a watch and a really great new pair of earbuds. I've always liked Samsung earbuds, so a quick um, shout out for those new products straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. So on that note, and I'm not talking about notes, but back to the whole Samsung Galaxy unveiled 
and or whatever you want to call it, they call it the Unpacked. The other two products that they announced were a brand new set of earbuds. Normally they were they were launching them quite regularly, but that slowed down a bit. They haven't announced a brand new top end earbud for the last year, actually, come to think of it. And they released the brand new Galaxy Buds 2 Pro. Now I've been in the fortunate position to try and play and live with pretty much all the previous iterations. I've seen these. I haven't listened to them yet. Um, so I have to go full disclosure. I will do a proper review when I get hold of a pair to listen to, but all the reviews that I've seen is that this is probably the sleeper hit of the, um, of the galaxy unpacked. There's a lot of competition. And I mean, a lot of people are seeing the ubiquitous Apple earbuds everywhere and earbuds in general have become huge business. It's sort of everyone's got one, and there are always a million pairs floating about. And for the most part, a lot of them are really good. They're not terrible. They don't fit terribly badly. But there's a combination of fit, sound, and functionality that very few get down perfectly. Apple, especially the pro versions, fit very well, sound pretty good, and work extremely seamlessly with the Apple ecosystem and pretty well with any ecosystem for that matter, although you lose a lot of the functionality that Apple, Apple builds in as standard if you stick in the Apple ecosystem. So most of you'll find that Apple earbuds work with Apple and you don't generally pair across. I've been pairing Samsungs with Apple, Samsungs with Samsungs and with the S22 range, I must tell you some of the best sound quality I've got from an earbud phone combination has been with the Samsung S22. And the reason for that is that they've got a lovely little program which takes you through a listening test to optimize the the earbuds, not bugs, earbuds to your um, sound preferences and to your ear ability because all of us have slightly different uh, hearing losses in some areas or hearing bumps in others. And for myself, as you get younger or older, as they call it, uh, your hearing does taper off at high frequencies Fortunately, it appears that mine is good, but adjusting and using the functionality built into the phone to optimize your earbuds for best quality definitely works. And the combination of the previous generation of um, Galaxy Buds and the optimization available on the Samsung phones really, really gave me a a great, great overall performance. And that's Google listening to me and trying to get all into my affairs crazy on a Samsung device at that. So the new ones are a a little smaller than the older ones. They're about 15% smaller. And everything that I've read that they fit exceptionally well and are IPX7 water resistant so they don't hassle and they don't fall out during heavy workouts or on a run. They have a very similar little case. They last extremely long. The touch panels work actually quicker from what I've read than the, the current ones. So overall, the um, they also have support for 24-bit audio and a new Samsung codec. I'm not a big fan of all these proprietary codecs. Um, so codec is the, the digital to analog converter algorithm that gives you the best quality sound. Apple have got theirs. Sony have got theirs. Now Samsung's got theirs. So Generally, that works quite well across very many devices, but just be a little bit aware that it tends to lock you into an ecosystem for best performance and ease of use. On Samsung, you open the case, just like Apple, it pops up on your screen. Pairing is super easy. seen lots of demos of those. just works instantly. 
updating the earbuds through the app is also super easy. And if you want to use it on other Android phones, not Samsung phones, the app is downloadable. You've got to download a couple of apps to do so, but it works extremely well. And even on an Apple device, it works extremely well. So if you're looking for a really good quality uh, set of earbuds, these are the active noise cancellation also excellent. Really, really impressive on, you know, in noisy environments when you're going on buses and, and place and planes where it buzzes. They're comfortable. They sit well. And they really are a very, very, very good alternative to so many other earbuds out there. The little downside is that they're pricey. They're selling the South African pricing, um, is not quite yet confirmed, should be out very shortly, but there's lots of charging ability through the case. Uh, the pricing will be competitive with the Apple devices, I'm sure, initially to start quite expensive. Pricing should settle down in a little while and pick them up across the web, just do some homework. Uh, and so overall, really, really looking forward to getting these to play with. I think they'll probably be the best earbuds that Samsung have brought out. They're comfortable, great anti-noise you know, noise con- performance. The sound quality, as I said, has always been really, really good. The battery life is great. The only thing will be a little bit um, expensive, and you will only get the best performance on Samsung devices. Not a big negative, but it's something to watch out for. The other announcement that was um, brought out at the at the event, another sleeper thing and something that has been a struggle for Samsung. They've had watches for ages. Their latest version, the Watch 5 and the Watch 5 Pro, which popped out of nowhere, no one was expecting that, look extremely compelling. They've moved back to using um, Wear OS 3, which is an integrated platform between Google programs and some of the familiar Samsung apps. So it's a slight uh, take on on the gear or the, the Google platform, which they used to be totally proprietary, and now they're not longer. It's brought a lot more apps, and they've added a lot new a lot of new sensors. So again, these fo- these watches right up front work best. You can work them on any Android. They do not work particularly well or at all. On iOS, so if that's your flavor, the Apple Watch is definitely the only thing to go for. But the um, the Galaxy Watch works extremely well, extremely well with the Samsung and Android ecosystem. They start at about the right, same prices as before, 40 mil, 44 millimeters, 60% more scratch resistant. They've now got sapphire crystal screens, which is great. They've reshaped them; they're a little bit more more comfortable. There's a new skin temperature reader, which, funny enough, will only work once they update the software. There's a better sleep coach and lots of lots of life battery life so you can actually sleep with them and pretty fast charging, which is cool. So if you're in the Android ecosystem and you're really looking for a, a good-looking, solidly made, very functional de- uh, device, the new Galaxy Watch 5 and the Pro, the Pro is a little bit more rugged with a couple more features, are really worth looking at. They've brought it right up to date. Battery life is great. Functionality is pretty, pretty solid. And um, the pricing is very competitive with other top-end uh, smartwatches. So have a look at that. And um, consider it if you're really into either the Google or the, the Android ecosystem or you're a Samsung user. And it certainly works extremely well with all the Samsung devices. And on that note, we're going to have to take a quick break for our sponsors. And I'll be back with a, a really interesting app I've been using for a little while, well, a couple of interesting apps I've been using. And again, it's all part of the instant 
gig economy. You've got to get your stuff when you want the stuff, not uh, when it doesn't work for you. So I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. So a bit of a Samsung <laughs> show. and Well, not unfortunately. Samsung work extremely hard, have some really good products, and they're doing some innovative stuff in a space, as I said, that has become a little bit mundane and a little boring, if you want to put it that way. And yet the biggest benefit of these smart devices is not the devices themselves, which is sad. I mean, the good old days of shiny new gadgets that were bigger, smaller, faster, slower, you name it, seems to be gone. And it's more about the ecosystem, the ability to use these devices, the ability to go anywhere, be anywhere, never get lost, transact through your business, run your office, run your life through a device makes all the difference and high connectivity with 5G becoming more and more ubiquitous across the world and South Africa for that matter. You're able to do more and more quicker and quicker and the screens are getting bigger, the quality of the device is getting bigger, the better, the battery life is improving considerably. But for the moment, we're doing fairly incremental stuff. We're not seeing any holographic um, type displays and devices out there yet. I, I actually cannot even visualize what the next generation of devices would be or what the next cutting edge product would be, possibly a form of, who knows, virtual reality or blended virtual reality or information projected into your eyeballs, who knows. But guaranteed you'll hear about it first here on FM with Stephen Ambrose on Tech Talk, but that's another story. What I've been using for the last couple of months and something I thought I'll give a big shout out to are all the fast delivery apps from the major retailers. That's Checkers 6060, Pick and Pay ASAP, Woolies Dash. And another one, which is a little bit of an outlier, is OneCart. Now, all of the above offer you the ability to get your groceries delivered to your door without leaving your smartphone or without leaving your house. And for the most part, busy day, sometimes you just forget stuff. It makes a big difference. It keeps you out of the stores because take a few kids. The stores always cost you more money. And it's just the general hassle. They worked extremely well during the COVID era where people didn't want to expose themselves, didn't want to go out. But the whole service has improved considerably and has become part of the lexicon of what these supermarkets are doing. In my area, the ones I've used the most and, and work extremely well are the checkers and one cart um, from Pick and Pay. Oh, ah, sorry, checkers, 6060, and one cart tend to work the best. The Woolies is a little slower and pick and pay is a little variable. They tend to be out of stock of a lot of things on the, on the odd occasion. So those two work best for me. But I think most people would find, you know, they're different, different variable things. The one cart one I like because people actually go do your shopping for you and then bring it to your door. It is the most expensive in the overall, not always, but it can cost a little bit more, but it is very good. They tend to use a little bit of human intelligence on selection. So if one type of yeast, for example, is not available, they'll often substitute for another, and it works extremely well. The others, the Checker 6060 and the others, the Woolies Dash and Pick and Pay ASAP, are very good. Generally, stock is available. They deliver pretty snappily. So all of them are available on iOS and Android. You can download those apps, use them anytime you wish, and they're highly recommended. In some places in Europe and America, they've now got 10-minute deliveries. So hopefully these guys are keeping an eye on that and trying to figure that one out. Though the distances 
in, in places like Johannesburg where things are far apart. It's not so easy to have multiple um, little branches of, of warehousing like they do in some of the more compact and dense areas of Europe. But anything between 10 minutes and 60 minutes still is, is very, very, very quick. And as one of them says, they're faster than you. So you get in the car, you drive to the, the shops, you do some shopping, you always spend more. It does take you a little bit more than an hour to get the average little shop done. So pick up these apps, um, try them out. All of them are pretty good. They all work extremely well. There's benefits if you're a Woolworths card holder. Check is the same thing. You can, there are certain benefits. There's lots of, of, of value and rewards and everything built into the, the, the apps. But have a look at them. I think they can make your life a lot easier. And especially when you've forgotten something, you really can't get out. You're looking after the kids or you're just at work and you just need a little extra something. Then they work extremely well. And on that note, I'm afraid I have to wrap it up and call it a day. Stay tuned and uh, stay connected because there's always interesting news here on on um, High FM and Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose.